Screenless. The TV drama is imagined. The work and the guests are real. Making a soundtrack. Opening scene and action. Girls on the block kind knocking at my door. <laughs> Wanna know what I'm making? Boys want more. Dan? Dan? Yeah? Yeah? What are you doing? I'm singing. I'm singing a little mix song. Because we've got little mix on as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said we this week was all about little mix. N- not exactly. Sorry. I know they're your favourite band and everything, but... They are. We don't have little mix on. That's guess. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, we're we're doing. Oh, but I've got dressed up and everything. <laughs> we're doing a little mix this week. I had, I had my hair done. An extra polish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, double coats of brass over this morning. We don't have little mix coming on, unfortunately. Oh, Maybe oh, sometime in the future oh. that'd be nice. Yeah. If they ever score a TV drama. They don't know we exist. No, of course they don't. But I would like to see the TV drama that's scored by Little Mix. That would be amazing. (laughs) But we are going to do a Little Mix, or rather you're going to do a Little Uh, Mix, of one of our tracks to uh, illustrate a mix. Excellent. We are getting to that stage now of mixing. We've got two tracks to finish and one track to start. Yep. Uh, but we kind we kind of know the sound now and everything, so that's why we're doing a mixing episode. Yes. And finally, as they say in the news, we are getting together to celebrate the end of Making a Soundtrack Series 1. Ooh. Ooh, did I just say Series 1? Yes, you did. Did that suggest that we might do more? I think it might do, yes. Hmm, okay. Well, maybe we should... You know, in the traditional sense, go and have lunch mm, and yes. talk about it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So next Saturday, the 25th of January from 6pm, you will find us in the Royal Festival Hall Bar, which is on level two. So the first floor, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, in the South Bank Centre. Yeah. So just near Waterloo there. Come along. Bring anyone you like. Uh, we'll just be there having a natter and having a drink to celebrate. Yeah. So come, say hi, have a drink. It would be lovely to see you. Well, without further ado, shall we... Uh... <clears throat> <laughs> Cue the music! Cue the music. We are going to split Cue the Music this week into two. One is uh, for track two, which we've moved along a little bit, and yep. one for... The other part for track nine, uh, which we need to just figure out where we're going with it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with track two. We talked about this last week, didn't we? We did. Because I was with you in your studio and we came up with track two, uh, which we were quite happy with as a kind of a basic track. Yep. I then went away and added some strings. You did, yeah. How we concluded was that I was going to add some strings and then you were going to look at some electronica. Electronica. He said with the Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> electronica. So I did that. 
I added some strings, much as we discussed. Really, it was uh, highlighting the melody. Yep. Um, and really, I added some staccato solo strings underneath to match your guitar part. Yeah, yeah. And apart from the opening where we had the water bowls, I wanted to add cello melody, which was kind of swimming in long reverb and, you know, to make it match that kind of watery, setting the scene for that watery feel. And that was it, really. I didn't want to overcomplicate it. It sounded great. I think it sounded great. It was exactly what it needed. Great. From the strings point of view, and it helped sort of bring it back into line with all the other tracks, I think. Yeah. track two is your electronica the electronica yes which i think will be a few more sort of just percussive arpeggio type stuff nothing Mm. you know it'll be like one note or something it'll just be like a a bass but um something like that i want to tighten up the perk a little bit and make a little bit more of that as well uh we spoke about where you've added the strings at the end we spoke about maybe possibly having a bit of a bigger build there for the end of the theme tune. So we had, we were talking about just using literally just sticking an octave above on the strings as well, doubling yep. so that it sort of progresses a little bit. I also thought, I had a thought while we were just listening back to it now, because it's the theme tune and we're imagining that, you know, whatever happens at the start and then boom, we get a cut and we've got the opening titles. Mm sequence are we imagining that the guitar will just come straight in there because i was just thinking it was a bit kind of like there you go i was wondering whether we could put some of the lock or something at the beginning just uh oh a bit of sound design to bit of sound design just ease into it so that it yeah that's quite a nice idea maybe a bit more dry signal perhaps so there's actual actual water yeah that's that's really nice idea actually yeah okay so i had that idea and the other idea that i very quickly thought oh is should we, now that we've recorded those bowls, hmm. should I see if they fit in track four? Ooh, track four. So if it was just, if it was literally just on the first beat of the bar. Yeah. Not not doing the melody, but just going along with the chords. Yeah. Definitely a good idea to kind of retrofit <laughs> yeah. certain elements. Yeah. Track four is character one, isn't it? Yep, character theme one, which is the same two chords Mm. that start that are also the basis of the theme tune, as we mentioned last week. So I wondered whether maybe we could, you know, as you say, retrofit a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one part of me thinks uh, water bowls, water, that's more to do with location. And another part of me thinks, yes, absolutely, that would fit in nicely. I guess it's a suck it and see thing. Yeah. I'll try it. Yeah, absolutely. will then make the decision as to whether that's a good idea or whether that was another one of my stupid (laughs) No, no, no. I think the idea is good. It's just where we put it is the important thing. Because actually in track four, it is played on the piano, not guitar. And so it doesn't necessarily need to have the same instrumentation. No. But as long as it makes sense, I'm all for adding that. I'll give it a go and we'll uh, we'll decide afterwards. Can it, can it? Nah. So that's track two. That's track two. So it's track nine. Track nine 
is slightly different. As I think I mentioned before, I was having trouble with this one because it's so orchestral and mm. we've approached it from the orchestra point of view first yeah. and then having to, to coin your phrase, retrofit stuff <laughs> to it. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's so much going on. It's like, I need to bring it in line with everything else, but I'm not entirely sure on how to do that. However, I have made a few notes. Okay, hit me. So, just like track two, more percussive style synth stuff. Mm. So, sort of more the sort of driving on the root note type of quarter note do, do, do stuff. Yeah. In parts, not all the way through it. Have another go at some of the bass synths, because... Mm. I did some filter sweepy type things and they're kind of all right, but not quite right. The Monopoly ARP in the middle section kind of carries over two sections. So there's like a build, which I kind of did the filter sweep with it, but then I kept it open and just kept it going. So when we reviewed this together mm. last week mm. in the studio, we said, I came up with the idea of possibly high pass filtering the second section and then opening it up again so that it kind mm. of like comes from nowhere but it's still kind of there. Yeah. So I'll have a go at that, I think. And also, uh, volume automation might work there. Might work a treat there, yeah. And possibly having some of the drums from track one. Yes, yeah. The big idea with this moving forward, this track, is to make it sound like the rest of the album. Yeah. So yeah. yes. Although it's got all the music, it's got the musical DNA, but it doesn't have the yeah. sound DNA yeah. of the rest of the album. So we need to bring it back in line. Yeah. Things I loved about what you've done with the electronica in there, uh, the opening note, you had that kind of growling bass underneath, yeah. uh, really gives it a power. And the the arpeggiator stuff is just fantastic. It really moves it along at that point. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure with the uh, what you're talking about, the filters. Just so that it's not... It, it's there, it's a kind of a feature, but you don't want it to be too much of a feature. Yeah. And at the minute, it's kind of like uh, shouting, hey, look at me, everyone. <laughs> well, you want it to move with the strings, don't you? Not, yeah, not just absolutely. In spite of... Yeah, the, I mean, the bass synth I really like from about a minute onwards is, is yeah. really great. I think maybe sometimes you could maybe go an octave up yeah. or something. It's a little bit too growly. <laughs> sometimes no such thing <laughs> yeah so i think on a very basic level it's a really good fit the strings and the synths cool yeah they're good and then next week will be track 10 Ooh, which we haven't started yet well i kind of had a dabble with mm. at one point but it is literally i think it's just like two or three chords and that's kind yeah. of all I've got, which I haven't listened to since coming at Go. Actually, I think I sent you a message. Oh, I've got an idea for... Yeah, but that was like... Track 10. After like, we did track 6 know, or 7? Yeah, yeah, it was like <laughs> 1986 or something. It just seems like so long ago. Well, you just don't um, know, do you? And I think it's really no. important as composers, if you have an idea, just get it down. Yeah. You can come back to it. And uh, if you have enough, you get a little library of ideas. Absolutely. things. It can be difficult then sometimes, because it's great to do that, but it can then be very difficult sometimes going back to them and going, well, what, mm. you know, exactly what was, what were my intentions here? Yeah. Um, because sometimes I think you can go back and go, oh, this would be great if I just added, you know, and you can get inspired by it, but sometimes you can go back and go, ah. But also nope. the danger there is that you are developing something that you did before track seven, eight, nine. Yeah. So the, the the musical ideas in there are kind of discarded if you if you're running yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it might be that it actually fits, and um, you can develop and put things on top 
Yeah. Mm. And I won't know until I listen to it. Well, <laughs> do you have no idea what it sounds like? I, I honestly have got no clue whatsoever. I remember it How being exciting. some long, slow chords. Well, that, I think that's good. I think resolution, we've had a, a couple of big build-ups. We've had yeah. big euphoric moments. We've had the massive action in track nine. Yeah. So I think actually that would fit better to have yeah. long, slow chords. Yeah, well, I think that was kind of the idea at the time was that we'd once we got all the big stuff out of the way, it was time to reflect. Yes, reflectio. Uh, I don't know so why I'm doing all these accents today. No, I don't know why you're doing it either. <laughs> I'll cut it out. It's all right. Yeah. I'll you cut it that. out. Ah! <laughs> Let me get me started in a minute. Okay. So that's all for Cue the Music this week. Yep. Next week is track 10, and we'll have all about that next week. Okie dokie. Right. Time to go behind the scenes for a bit of a uh, bit of a little mix. A little mix. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> so this week we are going behind our very own scenes, aren't we? We are. Because this series is based around an album that we are writing ourselves, it would make sense for us to talk about what happens after we've recorded stuff. And so behind the scenes dedicated to mixing seemed like a good idea. Yes. You are doing the mixing because you are a very good mixer. Am I? Didn't you just do a mixing job? I did, yes. Yes. So there you go. Yeah. And certainly from what I've heard of the track that we're going to talk about, it sounds great. Good. It does beg the question, why mix? You know, we, we've kind of mixed our way through the recording, haven't we? So why bother yeah, mixing um, at all? Well, I, th- I think it's just swapping hats. So mm. whilst you're creating and you're making something, although specifically with the more sound designy stuff like this track that we've picked to do, you know, it's a necessity that you mix. But I do tend to mix as I go along anyway, because I'm always thinking of the sort of end mm. product. But when it comes to the end of the writing stage, especially on some stuff that's really quick turnaround, it's good to then go back and just fine tune a few things. The amount of mm. times I've found that there's a note missing that right. I didn't, didn't yeah. notice on the piano or there's one that's ever so slightly out of time. Didn't notice it while I was writing. Everything sounded great. But as soon as you start to go back and look at it a bit further in depth... So I think part of it's quality control and obviously the other part of it is just making it sound as good as it can possibly be. Yes, very much so. So you're saying if you set aside that time for mixing and and put that into your workflow, it's a good chance to really scrutinise what you've done in a, you know, step back and listen kind of way. Yeah, if you've got the time, um, sometimes on projects you don't have the time, but then, you know, as long as the budget allows that's when you get someone else to do it for you so what's the difference then between mixing and mastering uh well mixing you're obviously focusing on just one track the track that you're working on you're making that as best as it could possibly be making it sound as wonderful as it can and with mastering what you're actually doing is you're taking a whole collection of tracks and it's about making them sit together and making sure that they're all working and they're not yeah. You know, it's not jumping from one track to another if they're going to appear on a TV show or on an album or whatever. And, they, you know, one of them suddenly sticks out because it just sounds so different from the others. It does tend to be very sort of little 
touches that you need to do in mastering versus mixing, yeah. which is, is obviously much, it's not much more creative. Mastering is creative as well, but you know, there's more leeway for doing stupid things like sticking a whole flange across the mix <laughs> at some point or something, something yeah. like that. But, um, yeah. and also I suppose in mixing, you are focusing on individual tracks, individual instruments, uh, whereas with the mastering, you're, you're looking at the overall. Yeah. Mix, it's the big picture. Yeah. So there are still frequencies that you can adjust and, and things like that. Yep. Okay. So what are the key things do you think to look out for when you're mixing? You, you don't want anything poking out too much unless it's specifically in type, you know, yeah, specifically you designed to. to do that. So uh, I think one of the best things to do is actually to listen at a very low volume. Okay. So if you listen to something, if you listen to your tracks through a, a really low volume, if there's mm. anything really loud, it will sound still quite loud and it will poke out above everything else. You'd be surprised how many times I've mixed something and then gone, oh, do you know what? I'll just turn the fade down and have a listen. And then something has been really sticking out and I've gone, well, it doesn't mm. sound like it and turn the fade up. Well, it's, yeah, I suppose it's a little bit, but then it's not until I get down. It might be four or five dBs that I need to turn something down yeah. by. And especially for television where the soundtrack will be sitting under. It will. Yes. The time. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about various things to do with mixing, if you don't mind. Okay. So let's talk about EQ. Okay. Yep. What's the function of EQ in mixing and why would you use it? Uh, it's, it's for either boosting or cutting specific frequencies. Um, mm. And you can do large or small cuts mm. uh, or boosts. So if something's too shiny or too dull. Or too or, dull, exactly. Know. For example, with this track, there was a couple of things that I thought were a little bit dull. The piano was one of them. It was that soft felt piano, the Spitfire yeah. thing. So yeah. uh, it's lovely, but it wasn't quite, it was sort of muddying up the mid range of the track. So I actually ended up scooping a little bit out, cutting off a lot of the low end because there's a load of synths in there that are very sort of low and then giving it a bit of a boost in the mids. So that kind of thing really for EQ. What about compression then? Uh, compression is something that is used a lot in mixes. Yep. Um, what is it? Why use it in a mix? Well, it's a way of limiting the audio level. So you put in the audio signal and you tell it at what ratio and at what threshold to start turning the audio signal down for you. Mm. So that's what a compressor does. In musical terms, it tends to be used as a kind of mild leveler and a kind of glue to hold yeah. things together. So on all of the subs for this, there is a, a mild amount of compression just there for its glueiness nice one and what about reverb yep i mean there are there are hundreds and hundreds of different types of reverb for a start aren't there yeah um i am favoring plate reverb at the moment okay lots of plate reverb on this album so uh <laughs> yeah i've used reverb on a few things but there's a, a lot of stuff like uh, the strings for example the samples that we've been using they're recorded with a lot of reverb and I, I, they just didn't need any extra stuff. Uh, some of the pianos have got reverb on, and I believe some of the synths. Uh, sometimes I'll use it to just gel something into the background a little bit. Just adding a little bit of reverb to it can just make it sit back in the mix rather than standing mm. forward. Dry signals do tend to really sort of come out at you. 
Nice one. Okay, let's get down to specifics then. We've chosen track six to give an example of the mixing process. Why first did you choose track six? What was it about track six? It's got a lot of stuff going on in it. I think it's it's quite sound designy. So it's uh, it's yeah. it's an interesting thing to mix in the first place. But there is a lot going on, so it meant that I could actually you know really get stuck in. I suppose it also you know if there's quite a lot of the instruments that are on the album yeah then it could act as a template exactly that exactly that every time i do a mixing job there's always one that takes a lot longer than the others and that is that's you know you find the sound so to speak mm. and i suppose I, it's the same with composing isn't it at the yep, start of absolutely a, a series or something you, you're finding the sound and it's going to take a, a bit longer the other thing is the all the groundwork you have to do so there's the organising of things. Ah, yes. How do you get organised for your mix? Well, I, uh, I'm i a big fan of colour. So if you see any of the pictures, you'll notice that most things are colour-coded. just mm. helps me navigate round very quickly. Yeah. I like to group stuff together as well. I've always submixed stuff. Even when I was in bands, everything got submixed. And I'd, I'd then have the buses and just use those returns to mix rather than having... So if you've got... 10 microphones on a drum kit you know you get it get it right and send that to a bus and then you've just got one fader to turn the drum kit up and down with rather than having to fight with 10 so that's possibly the best explanation of busing (laughs) (laughs) it's just making it easy it's just making life easy for yourself that's all it is uh, really now the other thing i do because of working in tv and stuff you tend to have to deliver stems so mm. bussing is exceptionally good for that as well because and what, it, what's what's a stem by the way uh stems are well, it stands for stereo masters which is in itself a slightly confusing name yeah but yeah. Uh, it tends to be the so the groups so for example in this one i've got piano piano effects strings percussion synthesizers and special effects and yep. all of those have their own individual stem, which means that if they, this was used in a TV show and there was something that was not quite, it was the dialogue was getting buried because of something, they could find that thing, hopefully on one of the stems, and just turn that down without having to duck the whole music. Or just use one of the stems. They might think, I love this melody, but I don't want everything else in there. Sometimes it tends to be the sort of documentaries that are done for not a great deal amount of money uh, and they're really quick turnarounds and they'll mm. then you know put x amount of stem stuff all the way through as well yeah using that as a kind of library for the yeah yeah basically so you've arranged your subgroups yeah by the way uh you mentioned earlier there was a, a picture of the mix if you go to the social media and look us up making a soundtrack you will see all the all the photos that we're talking about of dan's mixing window and the pro tools window and the the various effects that he's using they're all there so you can go and have a look so you've arranged the instruments into subgroups yep what effects then have you bust into these subgroups so the pianos already had reverbs on them uh there was quite a few creative reverbs on the piano effects amongst other things so they got nothing the synths again had had a little bit of reverb already, so they got nothing. Uh, the strings, I just added a little bit of air to, with a bit of EQ. A little bit of air? Air, yeah, so it's real <laughs> high-end, 
we're talking, I think it was 20, 20K. Yeah, 20K around there. What did you use for that? I used the Marg EQ, which is a, a lovely universal audio thing. Well, I think mm. actually made by Softube or Plugin Alliance or someone else for universal yeah. audio. But anyway, right. yeah, yeah, so I used that, the air feature on that's fantastic for just adding that kind of sparkly wow to the top sparkly of stuff. Sparkly wow. Sparkly yeah. wow. It's all about the sparkly wow. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was on the strings. The synths, there was a couple of them that had some, because it was all, there was a lot of low end stuff. I had to do a bit of EQing on those. So it was just carving out which portion of the uh, bottom end of the spectrum they were each taking and then um, uh, making sure they weren't all, you know, doing the same thing. And then the the special effects stuff had nothing on it at all because it was all special effects. So we'd done all that in the in the writing side of things. A little bit of EQ or something on the percussion as well. And then each of those stems or subgroups, if you like, is being sent to a stem. But on the subgroup, there's a bit of EQ and a bit of compression. Yeah, so it makes it really clear, doesn't it, if you're treating each subgroup and then... You've got your faders, as you said, in your in your old band days. That's it. Yeah, it makes it very easy to concentrate at the end of the mix. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and that there is there is a picture which is literally the end of the the mix, yeah. and uh, the masters in the middle, mm. and on the left are the subgroups, and on the right are the stems, and it's all color coded. And I suppose if you are at the end of your mix, going, what is that? It's it's far easier to unpick or to kind of oh, go yeah. back and go. Ah, right. I can isolate yep. that subgroup. It's in there. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. So, all mixed. What would you be expected to deliver then to a production? Most places nowadays want stems. There are still occasions where they want stereo stuff, and there are some occasions where they want 5-1 as well. But mm. I don't have a 5-1 setup. And every time when they've said, we'd really like it in 5-1... I've said, okay, it's going to cost this much because I'll have yeah. to hire the gear in. And they've always said, oh, no, stems is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so it'll be stems, really. So each of those groups gets bounced to an individual audio track. Yeah, on top of the... On top of the stereo. The stereo mix as well. Yeah, so you end up with the... St- well, I tend to bounce the stereo mix from the stems. Yeah, so you've got the final track. And then you've got the individual stems as well on yep. top of that, which is what a lot of libraries, well, most libraries now like that as well. It just gives them the most choice. It does. It does. Fantastic. OK, why don't we listen to the unmixed version of track six, just a little bit of it, and then compare with what you've done to it? OK, yeah. Yeah? Good idea. OK, here we go. Unmixed. Mixed. Unmixed. 
mixed. So you can really hear the sparkly wow coming through the sparkly there. Sparkly wow. It's yeah. all about the sparkly wow. That's fantastic. Okay, that's mixing for you. We're fairly close to that stage now where we will end up with a full mixed album. Yeah, exciting. It's really exciting, isn't it? Yeah. So thank you very much, Dan, for your hard work and your insights into mixing. You is totes welks. If anyone's got any questions about anything or, you know is slightly unsure then uh, head to the social medias and mm. let us know and i'll uh, do my best to answer anything or in fact come to the royal festival hall next saturday <laughs> yes and talk to me in person I'll answer specific questions for you yes okay is it time for some notes i believe it is okay So, our last guest sparked a little interest on Twitter last week. No surprises there. No. So, the sound design community seemed to react very well to uh, Tim Nielsen's interview. It was lovely to have him on. It was. One of said people, Max Smith, who uh, is known for his work on films such as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and Tron Legacy, things like that, tweeted, All filmmakers and composers need to listen to this interview with Tim Nielsen of Skywalker Sound. Tim shares a lot of wisdom about the benefits of collaborating early and how less is more. Very, very true, Mac. And thank you ever so much for retweeting that and uh, shedding a little light on our little podcast. That's really kind of you. Thanks. It is. And also, yeah, Tim was absolutely bang on with the whole collaboration. and He was. Yeah. Less is more. Yeah. Less is more. Very generous with his advice, I thought. Yes, he was indeed, yeah. The other thing to mention is that there is now a website, ratethispodcast.com, which makes it very, very easy for you to rate a podcast. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. <laughs> Um, so there is a making a soundtrack one so rate this podcast.com forward slash making a soundtrack will take you straight there and you could leave a uh, review there's also a button on our website now so if you go to the making a soundtrack.com web page the button's right at the top so it's it's really easy okay is that a wrap that is a wrap that's a wrap how do you find us makingasoundtrack.com will tell you all you need to know. Links to the podcast, social media links, and there's information about us too. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would make our day if you could give us a positive rating or review, as we've mentioned in the notes section. So go to makingasoundtrack.com and hit that button. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit the share button as well and recommend it to someone. See you next time. Bye. The girls on the block are knocking at my door. Wanna know what I'm making? Boys want more.